Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Back and better than ever, Greeny with you, presented by Progressive Insurance. Goodyear hotline for all my guests today. They will include Zach Lowe on trade deadline day. We got a green list inspired by Charles Barkley today. We have NFL messages being sent in three different places. We will tell you what they mean. And as always, time for your phone calls. All that and more. Let's have some fun. Here we go. Only one place to start. And that one place we can start today is with my buddy Chris Canty making a little extra time to hang out with me. You know Chris Canty. If you're listening in New York City, you know him from ESPN New York every single morning. If you watch Get Up, you know he's been with me regularly here through this football offseason. And it is a delight and he's good enough to spend a few extra minutes hanging out. Hello again, Chris Canty. Thanks for having me on again, G. Well, so we got to make this a regular thing, me coming on on Thursdays. Well, we got to make this a regular thing, you coming on on every day. Here's what I want. <laughs> I want you every day that ends in Y. If the day of the week ends in a Y, then I want you on the show. How's that work? Uh, sounds good to me. I'm not going to turn down nothing but my collar. Okay, fair enough. Here's Chris Canty. Let's, let's give me some straight talk here, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. No contract, no compromise. It's not where I was planning to start, but because I have Canty here, let me go through some of this. We got this Russell Wilson situation in Seattle. How do you read it? He doesn't seem to be willing to say anything. He sends out these sort of cryptic tweets congratulating teammates, but he doesn't come out and say, I want to be a Seahawk. This is a man who has used the word go Hawks in every sentence I've ever heard him speak in my life until now. How do you read the Russell Wilson situation? Well, I just think it's strange that Seattle would want to trade him. I mean, he's 32 years old. He's got a championship on his resume, and he's what we would consider an elite quarterback. So the fact that they're willing to move him, leads me to believe that there's more behind the scenes in terms of the maintenance dealing with the day-to-day baggage that comes along with Russell Wilson. I know he frames himself as one of these good guys in the NFL. He actually has the good man brand that he markets himself with. But I just look at this situation on on its face, and it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me given where the Seattle Seahawks are. Look, you can be a good man and still be difficult, too. It doesn't make you a bad guy. At some point, you're difficult. And he's been there a long time. The reality is relationships are complicated. And when you've been in one place a very long, he's been there with Pete Carroll, the two of them together a long time. That's not always easy to deal with. So it it does also bring up another interesting question. I tried to get to this on TV this morning. It's kind of hard to to sink your teeth into it. But most of us will look at at, at Russell Wilson and we will say he's a great player and how he plays the most important position. How could you not be willing to give anything you can to have him? And then others might look at it and say, Maybe the most valuable thing to have in football right now is a quarterback on a rookie contract. That's how the Seahawks won their Super Bowls with him. You look at the teams that make their deep runs right now, that's where so much of it is coming from. Is it possible that starting the clock with a young quarterback for Seattle actually makes more sense than keeping Russell Wilson? Well, I mean, it does make some sense. And keeping in mind, Seattle doesn't have a whole lot of draft picks. So Russell Wilson would be an opportunity for John Snyder to replenish the coffers and have some ammunition to make moves as we get closer to late April. But I just look at it from this perspective. If you've got a quarterback that has played at the level that Russell Wilson has, you try to make it right. And it just feels like Pete Carroll is not looking to move closer to what Russell Wilson's position is, not willing to make some concessions in terms of what his quarterback wants. And that, to me, is the strange part in all of this because a part of your job as the head coach is to be able to have good relationships with your players and none more important than your starting quarterback. I'm with that. I, I, I still believe there's a real chance that Wilson gets traded shortly before the draft, which again begins five weeks from tonight. Next stop, Chicago. The Bears social media team last night, 
<clears throat> posts a picture on Twitter of Andy Dalton in a Bears uniform and just writes QB1. <laughs> Twitter reacted about that way, only a lot less uh, friendly. And, and I'm well aware of this. Again, I'm, I live with a Bears fan. What do you make of that? What do you make of the Bears? What are the Bears if Andy Dalton is their quarterback? If Andy Dalton's their quarterback for all 16, the Bears are a team that's picking in the top 10 and they're looking for a new general manager and a new head coach. That's how bad I think this thing can get in mm-hmm. Chicago. And the move to sign Andy Dalton, it feels like a move to, ch- to make change for change's sake. I don't think that they're looking at it in terms of Andy Dalton being an upgrade over what they had last year in Trubisky and Foles. I mean, Trubisky had a higher QBR than Andy Dalton did with worse weapons. So I don't understand why they were in a rush to go out and make that move and pay Andy Dalton $10 million when the guy that they had that took them to the playoffs last year signed in Buffalo for $2.5 million. I'm with you. I've never understood. The way they've handled that from the very beginning has never made any sense at all, and yet this is where they find themselves. One more for you. Again, Chris Canty with me here on ESPN Radio. Um, A bunch of my friends who are Jet fans are yelling at me, and I will tell you why. Because on my shows, both my shows, I've got all these people all of a sudden telling me how great Sam Darnold is. You got Mel Kuyper saying Sam Darnold is better than any of the quarterbacks in this draft. You got insiders telling me Sam Darnold is the key to getting Russell Wilson from San Francisco. That's the guy Pete Carroll would identify. And a lot of the Jet fans who I'm close to, and I'm a Sam Darnold fan, but a lot of them are like, Greeny, what the heck are people talking about? Like, <laughs> like how, how, when did this guy go from being... I, I'm not going to say a bust because he's been in these impossible circumstances, but when do we go from there to Sam Darnold is the answer to everyone else's quarterback problem? How do I respond to those people? I don't know how we got to that place, Greeny, but how I would respond is this. I mean, he's been in the league three years, and you haven't seen enough consistency to justify passing on another future franchise quarterback with the number two overall pick. I mean, if you're Joe Douglas, do you want to hitch your wagon to Sam Darnold knowing what you saw the last three years on tape from him versus the prospects of what those quarterbacks not named Trevor Lawrence at the top of this year's draft that's, could potentially be? But that's where it gets complicated to me, man, because it's not as easy as that, in my opinion. I've been a fan of this team all my life. I've, all I've ever done is watch the sport. You played it, so you answer this question. Could any quarterback have succeeded in the circumstances Sam Darnold has been in the three seasons he's been in New York? It's been tough. I I can't say that it hasn't been, but, I mean, we've seen what Cincinnati had with Joe Burrow. It's not like he's flush with talent on that Bengals roster, and yet before he got hurt, we were like, this guy is going to be something really, really special. Mm -hmm. We haven't had enough of those moments with Sam Donald. Off the top of my head, I can point to three games, two in his rookie year against the Texans and the Packers, and then one in his second year against the Dallas Cowboys. Other than that, there really aren't a whole lot of data points that would lead me to believe that Sam is capable of doing the job. Bill Parcells used to say this all the time. I give a guy three years to show me what he can do, and after that, I'm going to make a determination. Whether or not the first three years and the the lack of productivity is Sam's fault or not, I think the Jets are in a position as a franchise where it makes sense to move on from him and try it with another young quarterback. And, and, And what is your best guess? Will he go someplace and become a terrific player? If he goes to, I'm making this up, San Francisco, Seattle, a place with stability, good coaching, good talent around him. Will he become a really good player? Yeah, I think he becomes a good player. Now, do I think he becomes an elite quarterback? No, I don't. But is he somewhere in that 8 to 12 range? 
Is he around that Matt Ryan, Derek Carr territory? Yeah, he's got the talent to be that. But again, it's about the infrastructure around him, something that he hasn't had with the New York Jets. Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who save with Progressive save over $750 on average. Call or click today. Find out if they could save you hundreds on your car insurance. Let's do this again real soon. Thank you so much for sticking around. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me You got to go work out now? What are we doing? Absolutely. Got to go get a, Give go, me a little rundown on the workout. Oh, today I've got a little cardio, 45 minutes cardio on the recumbent bike. Then maybe hit some core work, you know, a little bit of bands after that. Yeah, that's what I got on deck for today. What are we, 6'8"? 6'8", 330 pounds. But I'm a slim 330, Greeny. Yes. I'm a slim 330. Yes, aren't we all? All right, outstanding. <laughs> Chris Candy, seriously, it, it's a pleasure. Thank you, my friend. You're just doing terrific. Um, and it's great to have you here. Coming up, Zach Lowe on the deadline deals and on what Charles Barkley said yesterday that had everybody nuts. That's on the way. We're just getting started. My name is Greeny, and this is ESPN Radio. Greeny, the podcast. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do big, small, and when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Greeny, G-R-E-E-N-Y. We say good morning, Zach Lowe. What's up, Greeny? Well, you tell me. You're the one with all the news here. So it's a big day, obviously, trade deadline day, and there are some names being kicked around that I've been hearing, but I'm turning to you. What should we expect to happen before the deadline this afternoon? Uh, The most interesting decision-making is happening in Toronto, which means it's happening in Tampa Bay, and that's with the Raptors with Kyle Lowry and Norm Powell. You just mentioned who can swing the balance of power, really who can swing the balance of power, and I think in Kyle Lowry – The Raptors, the greatest Raptor of all time, they have one player who, if he lands in a particular place or two, could actually swing the balance of power. So it all starts there, I think. And what is the likelihood, in your view, I saw him say last night after they played, you know, whatever will be, will be. How would you assess the likelihood that he does get traded today? Uh, I would say it's definitely better than 50-50. I mean, the events of last night sort of confirm that, right? You don't have a... You don't have an all-time press session like that if you don't expect to be traded. So I, I would say 70-30. I mean, they've been mulling it for a while. And, and just the weirdness of this season, relocating to Tampa, and then the ultimate sort of ill-timed bout with COVID, I think, pushed them, pushed them toward this. But look, they, they don't have to do it. I mean, that's been the thing going all along. They don't have to do it. He's a really good player. They could re-sign him on a one-year deal, whatever. But I think they've crossed the Rubicon personally. And so where does he go? If they do trade him, where is he going? Philly and Miami have been the two teams all along. Woj reported yesterday that the Lakers are trying to butt in there. 
I think that's interesting. I, I'm not sure the mechanics are quite right there. So I'd say it still comes down to Philly and Miami. And to me, Philly, because they have more sort of ready-made young players and picks than Miami, who if they don't include Tyler Hero, and I would be surprised if they did, I'm not sure they have quite enough. So I, I'll go Philly if, you, if you're putting the proverbial gun to head. Okay, we'll see how that turns out. Zach Lowe, whose podcast is called The Low Post, and if you like the NBA, you don't need me to tell you that because you already listen to it regularly. He's with me on the Goodyear Hotline, helping you discover the road ahead, Goodyear more driven. Another name I heard Alan Hahn kicking around yesterday as I was on my way home from work is Lonzo Ball. What, how, what, what should we be expecting with Lonzo uh, as today goes on? I think Lonzo is just a matter of my, – my best read has been if they get an offer they like, they will move him, they being New Orleans, obviously. I, I, but I think it has to be a good offer. I, I think they know they have the cudgel of restricted free agency and matching rights. They like him. He's a good player. I don't think it's a situation where they're dying to move him, but they do appear to be open to it. I guess they must have qualms about what his next contract is going to look like, if there's going to be a big offer sheet out there from maybe the Knicks, maybe the Bulls, who knows. But I I think it's going to have to be a real strong offer, though. Those were the two places that that Alan was talking about, was the possibility of the Knicks or the Bulls getting involved. Is is that, if he does get dealt today, does it feel like those are the two likely places? Um, I'm not sure those are the two likely places for today. I mean, the Bulls have been the most heavily rumored, so I guess that that would be, to some degree, the likeliest place. The, The Knicks have been fairly conservative since Leon Rose got there and they mm-hmm. may look at this as hey we've got cap space if he wants to come here we can find a way to make it happen but matching rights are, are really strong restricted free agents if you want them if you're dying to get them you need to acquire them at the trade deadline if you sense there's going to be competition for them in free agency and the question is are, are the Knicks dying to get Lonzo Ball we will know today if he's on their team well the question is should people be dying to get him it, 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 Lonzo Ball is one who fascinates me because he came in, in in part, you know, because of the family and everything else, he came in and the, and Magic Johnson brings him into L.A. He comes in with about as much attention as you could possibly get, and it now feels like he's basically been forgotten. Like he's on a team with Zion and and Ingram, and everyone forgets that he's even playing. I think a lot of people would would be interested to hear me ask you the question: Just how good is Lonzo Ball? See, I disagree. I, I don't think people who follow the NBA closely have forgotten about him. He's averaging 14 points a game right. and shooting 39% from three on a ton of attempts. And I think what's happened this year is really interesting. And this is something that Stan Van Gundy hinted at before he took the job when he came on my podcast. He's not really a point guard anymore in the way that we consider a point guard in the half court. He's not running 30, 40 pick and rolls a game. He's not commanding the offense. He's kind of a point guard in transition, and then in the half court, he becomes a spot-up shooter, ball mover, almost like a late-career Jason Kidd, except he's younger. So Zion is the point guard, Ingram's the point guard, and Lonzo is shooting threes, connecting plays, you know, as sort of a glue guy in the middle of possessions. And he's been really good in that role, and other teams have noticed that and said, well, if he's just never going to develop a mid-range game, a floater game, the kind of game you need to have, if he's never going to be a great rim finisher, is he ever going to be a good half-court pick-and-roll point guard? If not, is this the kind of player he's destined to be? And it's tricky because 
if you think that's the kind of player he's destined to be, you have to have a Zion and Ingram. You have to have someone else you entrust to run the offense. It's a pretty, it's a pretty unique situation. Well, this is what I mean. And and so like his younger brother comes into the league and I think is going to wind up being the rookie of the year, even with missing all of the time that he has, because he looks like he's got the game to be really an elite player in the NBA. And you correct me if I'm wrong, but my perception was that's what Lonzo was supposed to be. Yeah, you know, everyone knew Lonzo was sort of a strange player when he came in, right? The jumper looked a little hitchy and broken, and no one knew if it would work, and he didn't have the mid-range floater game and all that. But people knew the guy on some level is a basketball genius, the way he sees the game and reads the game. They knew he'd be fun to play with. And I think the difference between Lonzo and LaMelo is LaMelo already is a a high-volume, good three-point shooter walking in the door and just looks more comfortable running what is sort of a normal half-court offense than Lonzo. So I, I'm, I, don't, I don't like to compare them because I'm sure they're sick of that, but um, I, LaMelo is already sort of the more valuable, better long-term prospect. But Lonzo is an interesting player. It's just a matter of sort of, do you think you have the right team for him to be the player he needs to be? Fast. All right, so we'll see if he winds up getting dealt today, and we'll keep an eye on all the moves. Zach Lowe with me here on ESPN Radio. Let's do some straight talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. A few questions for you. Zach, are the Lakers in trouble? Um, if, I mean, in trouble, yes, in the terms of if LeBron and AD are both out for more than 10, 12, 13 games, you're in serious trouble of falling into the play-in tournament because Dallas has the easiest schedule left in the Western Conference and they're surging. And look, if you're in the play-in tournament, you are by definition in trouble. Yeah, you're going to be the favorite. You'll probably walk in there having two games to win one if you're the seven or eight seed. But if you're in the play-in tournament, you are one bad shooting game or one crazy Zion game or whatever it is away from being out. And so by definition, you're kind of in trouble. And, and it just depends how long how long they're out because if they're out too long, they won't have enough time at the back end of the schedule to make up ground again. So I, I do think they are in a little bit of trouble. But then people whose opinions I value will say to me, if LeBron and Anthony Davis are healthy when we get there, it doesn't make any difference whether they're in the play-in tournament or they finish six or whatever it is, they're still the team to beat in the West. And I, I asked Barkley that question yesterday, and he said, no matter what they do, Utah is the team to beat in the West. So who's right? Uh, I think the Lakers will be the team to beat in the West if they make the playoffs. And I'm assuming they will make the playoffs. But look, we all watch the NCAA tournament, right? And we all say, Hey, you know, one game, you never know. It's just, you know, you can't, it's so unpredictable. And that's what the play-in tournament kind of is. I mean, if you're seven or eight, it's two games, but the margin for error is so thin that you can't just say, I don't really care what team it is. You can't just say, well, they'll be fine if they get in the play-in tournament. I mean, they should be, but I don't really think you can say that. If you're in the play-in tournament, and by the way, the Lakers have to fall quite a bit to get there, but if you're in the play-in tournament, you are on the razor's edge. It's going to be nuts, too, the second half. Straight talk, wireless, no contract, no compromise. For, for people who haven't gotten their minds fully around what it is we are now embarking on and what the next, what is it, two months or thereabouts of our, of our NBA lives are going to look like, it's going to be jam-packed. The, the number of games that you miss by being out, let's call it three weeks or, or whatever it is that remains with LeBron now, and then we'll see what happens with Davis. Like, that is a, it is going to be a, an enormous number of games. These things can swing I guess is what I'm trying to say in real time, very quickly, a week and a half, two weeks can be a, make a big difference in the standings. I mean, basically just divide days, days missed by two. And that's how many games you'll miss. I mean, everyone is playing every other day, basically some cases even more. You saw the Spurs get shellacked 
in L.A. last night. The Spurs have played a gazillion games in the last 10 days because they've had to make up all the games they missed due to COVID in the first half of the season. Those teams, San Antonio, Washington, Memphis, are playing all the time, but everyone else is playing every other day, basically. And, and so that's where it's going to be. Greeny and Zach Lowe. Okay, saving the, the most interesting for last. So Charles Barkley comes on here yesterday at right around this time. And the beauty of talking to Charles is you just never know what he's going to say. So I asked him a completely unrelated question to this, and Charles Barkley responds by just saying this to me. The MVP in the NBA right now is James Harden. Mm -hmm. Uh, What he's doing right now without KD and without Kyrie, uh, we can't ignore that. Uh, James Harden is the MVP of the NBA, plain and simple. Like I say, Embiid had it for a minute. LeBron's been right there. I talk about Chris Paul, what he's doing in Phoenix. But the MVP in the NBA right now is James Harden. It started there. And then, Zach, just as I was about to follow up with a question, he went on and said this. I know I'm going to probably get criticized for saying this. This guy might be the best basketball player in the world. I mean, he might be the best player in the world. I've always thought he was the best offensive player. He wasn't as great as Michael and Kobe. But I said a few years ago, and people laughed at me, he's the best offensive player I've ever seen. Mm. But right now, no disrespect to LeBron or Giannis or anybody. James Harden might be the best basketball player in the world, period. Again, Charles just said that. I had no idea it was coming. It wasn't in response to a question I had asked. And so, Zach, my, my brain just starts spinning immediately as he's saying that. As you hear it, what's your reaction? Well, the guy who's the MVP right now is someone he didn't name, and that's Nikola Jokic. And 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 Charles said you can't ignore what he's doing without KD and Harden. Well, you also can't ignore the ten games or eight games or whatever it was in Houston where he tanked what is ten percent of the season, and the Rockets were obliterated when he was on the floor. And you also won't be able to ignore the games, however many there are, assuming there are some that Kevin Durant and Kyrie, Kyrie Irving play with James Harden. And we've seen before that super teams sort of, you make a trade off when you're on a super team, you sort of lose some points in MVP balloting. So I think he has a case. I think he's played his way into the race. By the way, no player has ever won MVP being traded in season, whether that means something to you or not. But to me, Jokic is the MVP of the league right now as we stand today. As far as who the best player is, I don't think it's insane to suggest he's the best offense player. And he, he may, in fact, be the best offense player. But you can't be the best player in the NBA. You can't until you really, really, truly come through on the biggest stage. And to me, that's the ultimate test for James Harden. I said after the Rockets flamed out in the playoffs last year, another 2 of 11 game for James Harden in that playoff run. By the way, he has three 2 of 11 games in like high-stakes playoff games in his career, which is crazy. 2 of 11 from the floor. I said... I'm at the point with James Harden where I don't care if you score 50 against Charlotte in February. I don't care. I mean, I care a little bit. It's fun to watch, but we've seen it. We know you can do it. It's incredible. You're a genius. You're one of the best offensive players ever. I need to see it game five, two, two, second round of the playoffs. That's what I need to see it at this point. And we just haven't seen that in elimination games, in big games, in huge games in James Harden's career. So I don't think you can take that mantle until we see that. And maybe this is the team we see it on. Well, see, that's obvious. What you're saying is obviously a hundred percent true, but what I was going to say is he's found himself in a situation where he doesn't need to do that because we've seen Kyrie do that. We've seen Kyrie's got 
guts. That's, <laughs> I'm glad I cleaned that up in my own mind before I said it. Ky- Kyrie is, it, you know what I'm trying to say. He's got stones. And, and, and Kevin Durant, we've seen come up big in those moments. And now Harden finds himself in a place where he doesn't have to do that. James Harden in Houston was in a situation where if he didn't do that, they weren't going to win. He's not in that situation in Brooklyn now. And I, I think that actually might suit him extremely well. Yeah, I think they may have landed on the perfect brew of skill sets and personalities because you're exactly right. He's playing with two of the greatest big shot makers in recent NBA history, so he can be a pass-first distributor in the last five minutes of close games if he wants to be. By the way, he hasn't been that so far in Brooklyn. He's been taking over in crunch time with Kevin Durant out, and and he's also sort of a looser personality than the other two, right? I mean, the other two, we've seen them embroiled in whatever they've been embroiled in here and there, and James is sort of like, can we just roll it out and play and then go have some fun after the game? Like maybe it maybe it ends up being almost by accident the absolute perfect mix of personalities. And so that will bring me to the last thing. And again, Zach Lowe with me here. Thank you for all this time, Zach. And that is same question I asked about the Lakers, but in the East. If we ever get to a place where all those three those three guys are all healthy, they're all together, their heads are all in it, and and they're playing when the season comes to an end. What are the nets in the postseason this year? They're the favorites to win the championship, and that's been the case since they all came together. Um, and, and part of that is the road out of the East, as things stand now anyway, is, is easier than the road out of the West. So whoever you think the favorite in the East is, is sort of the de facto championship favorite. That, you know, Kyle Lowry to Philly would change that a little bit. But I think they're the favorites to win the championship. I think they're going to be completely unguardable and you're just going to have to outscore them and some nights some great teams will do that but they may not be done either they may be they may pick up an extra piece today or in the buyout market we'll see again the podcast is called the low post it is a must listen for anyone who cares about the nba zach you're the best thank you my man always a pleasure see you soon green all right that's that zach low with me here he and Woj obviously working all this as we get our way towards trade deadline i don't think i made my point about lonzo ball particularly well um, we can get into that a little more if you want to. Lonzo Ball is obviously a good player. But what, I, what I'm trying to say is that Lonzo Ball has not turned into the player that I think I – mean, I heard Magic Johnson on there the other day with Stephen A. talking about Lonzo Ball in, in the kind of special way that people viewed him when he first got drafted. And, and that's really what I meant to suggest to Zach is I just don't feel like that's the way he's perceived now. And and so we'll see. We'll we'll see if he winds up getting traded today, uh, how much of a difference he makes wherever he goes. And then Kyle Lowry remains the big name. And we'll see if that winds up happening. Greeny with you. All right. Next order of business. So you're ready for the draft. Let's get started. Greeny's draft prep. But every day I'm going to give you a little draft prep. And and that is because, I mean, just full disclosure, I know so much more about the draft than I can possibly use (laughs) on a show like this one or on Get Up because, you know, I'm getting set to host it. They announced yesterday that I'll be working with Lewis Riddick, uh, Booger McFarland, and Mel Kuyper on the draft on Thursday and Friday nights of the draft. And we had a Zoom, the three of us, uh, the four of us yesterday, and it was awesome. And just being able to pick these guys' brains is so great. And so I'm studying all these players so I can help you get set for this draft. I can tell you a lot about it, and I will keep it as broad as I can. Here's the first thought that I have for you today. I think the Eagles are the most fascinating team at the top. Everyone will point to the Jets. I don't think the Jets situation is that complicated. You might think it is. Fans might think it is. Mel Kuyper thinks it is. I don't. I think the Jets are going to draft Zach Wilson number two, and I think... 
they're going to find a new team for Sam Darnold, and that's going to be that. Now, maybe I'll wind up being wrong. No one is telling me that, but that's what I believe is going to happen. You're going to see teams trying to move up to three to get a quarterback from Miami. Miami's spot is three. Carolina is the one that people will point to, but I think there are others. It's always about the quarterbacks. But if you sit and look at it, I believe the Eagles at six are the first team that have three fascinating and very justifiable options where they will sit. They've got Jalen Hurts and Joe Flacco as their quarterbacks right now. You could make a pretty interesting argument. They could do any of these three things. The first is see which quarterback falls to them. They are assured of at least one and possibly two or three very highly touted quarterbacks falling to them at six. Mac Jones almost certainly will be there. Will Trey Lance be there? Will Justin Fields be there? If those guys are there, do the Eagles say, we're good? We're good with Jalen Hurts, and we are going to pass on that opportunity. If they do, and they decide they're not going to take a quarterback, they then have two more fascinating questions. There are super talented skill position players in this draft. The value beyond the quarterbacks at the top of this draft is in all of the offensive playmakers. It's in a receiver named Jamar Chase out of LSU, the two kids from Alabama, Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddell, and the tight end Kyle Pitts from Florida. That's where the value is. If you're the Eagles, do you take one of them, put that guy on the field for Jalen Hurts and give him a chance to maximize your options? Or the third option, which I think you could make an equally compelling argument for, which is you need so much in Philly. Do you let someone else come up and take either a quarterback or one of those guys, trade back a little bit and try and add picks? Because what you need is players. Right now, they probably have as little talent on their roster as just about any team in the entire NFL. So that, to me, I think as we sort of do our draft pick here, our draft prep today, that's one of the spots I'm looking at closely. What do the Eagles do? Because they're one of the teams that I could see having three very legitimate options where they will sit. I know that Mel and McShay are projecting quarterbacks to go one, two, three, and four. I guess it's possible, but I've said many times, you never get rich betting on things that have never happened. That's never happened. We've had quarterbacks go one, two, three, twice. One of them is a million years ago, Jim Plunkett, Archie Manning, and Dan Pastorini. One of them is much more recent, Tim Couch, Donovan McNabb, and Achilles Smith. Do we wind up having quarterbacks go one, two, three, four? If I had to bet on it, I would bet we will not, which means I think Philly will find itself in a situation where they have to choose whether or not to take a quarterback, one that people think is going to be really good. That's today's draft prep, and I think it's going to be really interesting to see what they do. I'll give you a little different nugget on this stuff every single day, and as we start getting closer, I'll get a little more into the weeds because I can tell you about a lot of players who aren't getting as much attention now as they will be as we work our way closer to the draft. But in the meantime, uh, the green list is coming up next. You just heard Zach Lowe talk about what is at stake for James Harden, what he needs to prove. Well, today's green list is inspired exactly by that. It's the top five players in the NBA who need to win a championship right now. My pick, my five, next on ESPN Radio. Greeny, the podcast. 
Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. The list is what determines who matters in this business. The Green List. The Green List. Every day here with me, Greeny. My top five, this or that, chosen exclusively by me, the world's foremost authority on all matters. And this one, again, was inspired by Charles Barkley yesterday, who came on this show without even really being asked about James Harden, and said this. I know I'm going to probably get criticized for saying this. This guy might be the best basketball player in the world. He might be the best basketball player in the world, said Charles Barkley of James Harden. And I'm telling you, my mind just started spinning immediately. How do I respond to that? Well, the response we had as a show is that we've put together the top five NBA players that need a title to validate their careers – is he can't be the best player in the world if you haven't won a championship. Number five. At five, I'm going to put Paul George. Paul George, All-NBA first team, two-time All-Defense, won most improved. Kawhi handpicked him to come play with him. But here's what we've seen from Paul George. There was a time in Indiana when it looked like he was the next one. And then Indiana traded him and they got better. And he comes up small in the playoffs in Oklahoma City. And he comes up small in the playoffs. Last year in the bubble for L.A. Paul George needs a big postseason. He needs a big postseason to justify that he is what I think most people perceive him to be, which is like a top 10, 15 NBA player. Until he plays big in the playoffs at this point, I don't think he can really justify being called that. He needs a big playoff run this year. A championship would completely change the narrative on Paul George. Number four. Damian Lillard is four. I wanted to put him much higher, but I couldn't put him ahead of the other three guys. Damian Lillard is an unbelievable player. And we had that great back and forth with Stephen A. and Jalen Rose that we did here on this show a couple of weeks ago about whether life would be different and or better if Damian Lillard played in a bigger market, someplace outside of Portland. But Damian Lillard is an all-time great. Damian Lillard, all-NBA first team, made it to the West Finals one year, talked about how he's not interested in chasing rings. Okay, fair enough. If Damian Lillard wins a championship, whether he's chasing rings or not, with a championship ring, Damian Lillard is a first ballot Hall of Famer. Now, he might be that anyway, but I think that he is a guy who the perception on him would change dramatically, especially if he finds a way to win it in Portland. I wouldn't bet on it happening, but if he were to do that, 
Damian Lillard, we'd have to start talking about his place on the list of the great point guards of all time. That's how good Damian Lillard would be with one title on his belt. Greeny with you, our green list. Number three. Three today of players that need a title to validate their careers is Giannis. Giannis, two-time league MVP, two-time All-NBA first team, defensive player of the year, led his team to the East Final a couple of years ago, had a 2-0 lead on Toronto and looked like they were cruising into the NBA Finals. And since then, everything has gone sideways for him. Not backwards. He won MVP last year. But it has gone sideways. Giannis needs a ring to justify being an immortal. And that's what this list is really about. Giannis doesn't need a ring to justify being a great player. He's a two-time MVP. It speaks for itself. He's a great player. He's on the short list of best players in the NBA today. He's going to walk into the Hall of Fame. He's a great, great, great player. Justifies a max contract. Everything else. None of the superstar of the first magnitude. He's a guy who could become an immortal. You put a ring on that guy's finger, especially if he does it in Milwaukee, similarly to what I just said about Dame in Portland. He wins a championship in Milwaukee, which he certainly could do as soon as this year. I wouldn't bet on it, but it could happen. Changes the narrative. All of a sudden, Giannis is an immortal, and he's still young. It'll be a fascinating turn of events. Number two. Chris Paul is not young. Chris Paul is number two on the list. Four-time All-NBA first team, seven-time All-Defense, led the league in steals six times and assists four times. But we all know about the playoff, the history of playoff failure. He's only made a conference final once with that Houston team with James Harden, and they had Golden State on the ropes. Then Chris Paul got hurt, and it went the other way on him. They were going to beat that Warriors team that had KD on it, and they didn't get a chance to do it. Chris Paul is an all-time great. He's an immortal no matter what happens. But a championship would completely change the narrative on his career. So he's number two. Number one. But I will put Harden one. I I do believe James Harden is number one. He's won an MVP. He's led the league in scoring three times. He made the finals once, but that was in OKC, and he was the sixth man. He was a great player, but he was the third best player on his own team behind Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook. He made two West Finals with the Rockets, but he is definitively known, and Zach Lowe just talked about it, He is known much more in the playoffs for his struggles. In fact, that's probably too kind a word for his failures than he is for his successes. I think that's the only reasonable way to phrase it. And so a championship would and will completely change the narrative, especially if it doesn't feel like KD carries him there or Kyrie carries him there. And I don't think they will. Harden is in a a perfect role for himself in Brooklyn, and I think those three guys will win a championship. So those are the top five players for today's green list. Top five players that need a title to validate their careers. Paul George, Dame Lillard, Giannis, Chris Paul, and James Harden. Coming up, news that, if true, will completely shake up the NFL draft and more. That's on the way. This is Greeny on ESPN Radio. Greeny, the podcast.